Hi, I'm Ella. I'm Indu. And this is Penny for Your Plot, a podcast where we talk about plot holes in your favorite books, movies, and TV shows. This week's episode is on Netflix's You, which is about a bookstore clerk, played by Penn Badgley, who fixates on a girl who walks into the store and he does a bunch of serial killer things. So without further ado... Sometimes our favorite stories are filled with ambiguity, impossible events, and airs of continuity. Certain things just don't make sense, it's more often than not. So luckily we're here to give a penny for your plot. Okay, Indu, what is your first plot hole? The biggest thing that I had the most beef with was the size of Beck's apartment. Oh, interesting! <laughs> I was so infuriated that she had such a nice big apartment, and she was literally an English master's student, not even a PhD student. That's true. She was not getting, you know she wasn't getting funded that much because she was a <laughs> master's student. Did she have a job? I think that, I think she was TAing and that was it. Really? Yeah. Wow, yeah. That and makes had, no sense. She had this huge, like, loft apartment. Floor-to-ceiling windows. Yeah. Gorgeous. In New York. Yeah. Or maybe she had rich parents. Oh, yes. Did, she did, did have she rich have parents. rich parents? Her parents were a big part of the storyline, weren't they? Yeah, her dad, she was like, oh, my dad is dead, and then he wasn't dead. Right, right. Why did she say Which that? Which is kind of remember. another plot hole, yeah. Why did she feel the need to lie about her dad being dead? I think she was just dramatic. I think that was part of her character. Oh, my God. Her was character. Kind of annoyingly dramatic. Her character wasn't very good. I think I'm she was honest. meant to be not good, though. Like, meant to be boring? Yeah. I think, yeah. She was, I think she was meant to be very average, and then his fixation to be kind of irrational. Yeah, her apartment is really beautiful, and it's... Is the ground floor preferable in New York, or do people want to be higher up? I don't know. New Yorker listeners, uh, <laughs> do the rats come in? I right, don't... because I would think that there's more vermin on the first <laughs> floor, right? Yes. And you hear noise from your neighbors more, but also, like... In those buildings, there's hundreds of floors, so everyone has an upstairs neighbor, except for the person at the very top. And then you have to take all the stairs if you're at the very right, top. Right, or the elevator. How do people move to apartments, like, way high up in apartment buildings? That's a good question. Probably you have to hire movers. But and do it- you think there's, like, an industrial elevator to bring up furniture that's different from the civilian elevator? Yes. I think I've seen those. Oh, really? Yeah, in, like, hotels and stuff, that definitely exists. Oh, So I feel like okay. in, in large, in tall buildings, that would also exist. Okay. Is this is because quiet. we're both from New Mexico, and <laughs> the building codes prevent tall buildings. Only in Santa Fe. <laughs> oh, well, there aren't that many really tall buildings in Albuquerque. There's two. There's the Wells Fargo one on San Mateo, and then there's the Piano. There's the, <laughs> the fact that building. you know exactly which two buildings are tall. <laughs> the downtown PM one, and then the U.S. Eagle is also pretty tall. That's the oh, one okay. I work in. Oh, okay. Because it has 17 okay. floors. We're probably giving too much personal information. We'll have to cut all of this. <laughs> well, they know we like, live this in is exactly where we live. So what's one of yours? My first one, Joe, the main character is always sneaking around because some he lives kind of this double life of half of the time he's a serial killer and then half of the time he's like a romantic boyfriend. So when he's a serial killer, he wears a hat. And that's his main disguise, like a baseball cap. And no one recognizes him in the baseball cap. To be fair, he is like kind of average looking. Like I probably wouldn't look twice at him if he was in a baseball cap. I don't know. It just feels like he could have had a slightly better disguise. 
than a baseball cap. Because he wears that while stalking Beck, his girlfriend. Yes. While they're dating. That's true. She would have recognized so him. So she at least would yeah. have recognized him, right? Yeah. But I think that that was kind of just like, I feel like if he had more elaborate disguises, it would have ventured <laughs> into silly. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it kind of was silly. Parts of it were silly. Yeah, but more Not so. Not in that way. Yeah, right. I think it would have been fun if he had like M- mustache. a mustache. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, Penn with a mustache be still my heart. Or he could have had like an old person disguise. Oh, yeah, yeah, like the like Snapchat filter? Yeah, that would have been <laughs> fun. He could have had, like, a white wig. I don't know. I just feel like a lot of times he would be, like, sitting at a restaurant and someone would come in who wasn't supposed to know he was there and he would just kind of, like, pull his hat down a little bit and then they wouldn't see him. To be fair, that is a technique for making yourself, like, small and unnoticeable. I've done that before. And it's worked? Yeah. Like, you just kind of, like, avert your eyes, hunch over a little bit, and then if you don't want to be noticed, you're just not. Okay, that's it's fair. A, it's I like a I'll willful ignorance thing. <laughs> I'm pretty expert at not getting noticed. Yeah, yeah. I'd say so. I'm, like, small, and I'm uh, sneaky. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can be sneaky. I think small is the main aspect. Small, yeah. <laughs> People don't notice me. Yeah. I'm below their eye line. Yeah. Where has that come in handy? Um, like, if I don't want to talk to people at like conferences and stuff like that Mm. just I'm not sure like if I see someone that I know and I don't want to talk to them like stuff like that you know that's fair um my next one is what was his relationship with the previous bookstore owner who like locked him in his cage okay for those of you who don't know Joe grew up with kind of a contentious home life and his father figure was the owner of this bookshop that he now works at and this not his actual father but his father a man who became yeah yeah who was his actual dad did he just i think he didn't have one yeah okay this guy like kind of took him under his wing and taught him about books and stuff and then every now and then when he would get mad he would lock him in this glass cellar in the basement yeah so this guy had this collection of like really old really expensive books that he had been keeping in really good shape and he kept them in this glass like container in the basement that was way too big to be just for books it was the size it was like the size of a studio apartment and also the fact that there was like a slot to put food in (laughs) yeah it was clearly designed oh my god that's true yeah so there's this like big glass cage i guess it has to be slightly big because I think the man would go and fix books inside of it. Mm-hmm. Like he would go and re-spine a book that was falling apart. The main but thing for me is the food the slot. Food, yeah, there's like a there's a food slot where it opens on one side but not on the other side. <laughs> and you can put food in and then the other person opens. It's clearly for kidnapping. Oh my god, that's true. I can't believe there's a food slot. I wonder how many people that old man kidnapped. That's a good question. Yeah, we need a prequel. Yeah. Oh my god, do you think the same thing happened to him? Do you think that wasn't even his? Do you think he also got taken under the wing of the previous bookstore owner? Ugh. The cycle continues. Generational trauma. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, yeah, his relationship with that man was, like, weird. Yeah. Not really a plot hole, but, like... Well, it was a plot hole in that it was so over the top. Also, the main reason that the man, the bookstore owner, would get mad at Joe... Was because Joe wasn't reading 
books, (laughs) right? Didn't he, like, assign Joe to read every classic book on a shelf? Yeah. And then Joe didn't do that, and then the man locked him in the glass cage with all the books. (laughs) Yeah. I guess you could argue that that was just, like, a cover for some deeper issue, that he was, the man was just kind of looking for any excuse to lock him away. See, that part felt silly to me, because it's supposed to feel so dramatic. And another silly thing is the kid... I hated that little kid, the one that was his neighbor and his mom was always... Oh, yeah. So Joe, the main character, lives in an apartment building. Family who lives next door to him is a mom and a little boy who reminds him of himself because the mom is always, like, having new men come in and fighting with them and stuff. And he's he brings this kid books and they have, like, a bond. Yeah. He's his father figure, yes. you could argue. And this his name, kid, I think, what's his name? Pabu or something? Paco. Paco. Okay. <laughs> Pabu is the fire ferret from Blood and Decora. Oh, okay. Close. <laughs> <laughs> this little kid, though, is, like, so insufferable. I he, can't quite remember. Is he very precocious? No, he's just, like, I think maybe the act, the like, kid actor was kind of bad. Sorry. I hate to say this. About, <laughs> Sad. About you, kid actor, but you, like, really weren't good. Um, <laughs> what did you not like about him? He just felt very, like insipid to me like it, it was mm. his acting felt over the top oh, okay. and it could have been his writing like the way his character was written but like I feel like he was always like crying and he was always like you know it's it's okay my mom is just you know it's fine everything's fine and he just it felt like a very gratuitously sad kid yeah and I think I really do think his acting was just pretty bad. Yeah, he was pretty young. <laughs> yeah, he was actually pretty young. Like I would guess he would he was probably like ten or eleven. Who's the kid from Room? Jacob Tremblay. Oh yeah, that I kid is so. a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> Take notes. It probably also has is. to do like I feel like the whole tone of this TV show. It's not just straight drama. Yeah, it's comedic it's drama. A dramedy. It's maybe it's a dramedy. That doesn't quite feel no. right. <laughs> it's a comedic drama. It has, it's a drama with comedic elements. Yeah. And I feel like like Penn Badgley, as an adult actor, managed to finesse that yeah. very well. Like, the, the balance between being dramatic, but also knowing that to take things kind of silly sometimes. Uh-huh. But I could imagine that that would be a difficult tone for a child actor to take. You know what I mean? Yeah, although I do feel like he, he didn't have any scenes that were meant to be comic relief. I feel like he was meant to be the dr- the drama. Mm. Well, then maybe he was acting his little heart out. <laughs> <laughs> Someone enrolled him in some classes. <laughs> okay, but Penn Badgley, such a good actor, actually. Very good. Yeah. He's so good. Gossip Girl didn't do him justice. Honestly, I, th- I think he was kind of good in Gossip Girl. Well, no, too. I think he was good in Gossip Girl, but I don't think it allowed him to express... His like, full potential. His full potential, yeah. yeah. I feel like this show showed how, like, talented he truly is. Yeah. Whereas in Gossip Girl, it was like, oh, well, he's fine, you know, he's good. <laughs> yeah. And it was fun how in this show, he's, like, slightly ugly sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's made well, to... Not that he's <laughs> ugly, but he's, he's creepy. Made, he's, he's creepy sometimes. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like they emphasized... Somehow his teeth looked small to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, when he smiled, I felt like there were gaps between his teeth. And I, I didn't. that's just how his teeth are. But I didn't feel that way on Gossip Girl. Was he wearing, like, a... I don't think he smiled that much. <laughs> <laughs> but he did, he, like, did a creepy smile for this show. Okay. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, he, like, he did creep it up. Yeah. And he, um... He did a very good job 
okay. being creepy. Yes. Well, and the one part that made it really creepy was that he was really good at quickly transitioning, yeah, uh-huh. between being the serial killer and then being romantic. Oh, I feel like we're watching it now. I know. Oh, it's so good. Everyone should go out and watch it if yeah. you haven't. Especially the scenes where some where someone is in the cage and he's having like an internal conflict. Those yeah. are he acts the shit out of that. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. really good. Oh my goodness. Speaking of Pabu, why didn't he call Paco. Yes. <laughs> why didn't anyone call CPS on him? Like it was an apartment complex. Yeah. Penn Badgley could have called CPS. I think that in general Penn Badgley's character tried to steer clear of government agencies oh, just in that's case true. he was discovered. He was a serial killer. Yeah. No, that's a good point. <laughs> and I think he was the only one who took interest in Paco. Okay. I don't know. I mean, definitely a different neighbor could have called. But I feel like I imagine that in New York there's so many families with so many problems that like <laughs> in the everyone same can't be called. Yeah. No, that's a good point. My next plot hole is kind of just the whole sequence, spoiler, where he kills Beck. Mm-hmm. So he has Beck, who's his girlfriend in the first season, locked in the glass cage for like days. Also, where do they poop? They poop in like a bucket. I think in like, okay, um, from my week of getting very heavy into true crime <laughs> podcasts and then quitting, um, I do think they have to like pee and poop like in a bucket or something. When they're being held when they're, captive. Yeah. Like, I don't, they're definitely not let out to go to the bathroom. Right. Which is just gross. A yeah. gross detail. So she's in the glass cage and then she kind of emotionally manipulates Joe to let her out, mm-hmm. which is also, which is a really good scene. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was a really good acting job between the two of them because it's really interesting that he does kind of get swayed by mm-hmm. her. And then she tricks him and pushes him into the cage and locks it from the outside. He's in the cage then, and she thinks she's safe, but he's hidden a spare key in the cage, which only he knows where it is. But it was very, it was like not in a super difficult location. There's not that much stuff in the glass cage. How did she not discover where was it? The spare key. By the door, there was like a metal pane where the handle was uh-huh. or something. And I think it was just like behind that metal pane. She probably didn't think that there was a key in there so she didn't bother looking i guess so. i just feel like if you're in a cage like that for many days or weeks you kind of explore all of it i mean it would have been better if he had put it in a book or something like that would have been a good hiding place oh that you know how sometimes you like people turn books into hiding places like by, for flasks and stuff yeah like yeah. by cutting out uh-huh. the pages yeah i could have done that or even just like slipping it between Mm-hmm. Page, like it's just a key it's pretty thin that's actually a cool idea and then it could have been symbolic like which page of which book maybe it was just too much of a that would have been too much maybe maybe on that thread of beck beck's murder you know how he framed john stamos the therapist oh yeah bearded john stamos so for those of you who don't know um beck had been going to therapy and she was cheating on joe with her therapist and joe found this out and Wait, was she actually... Yeah. They were, like, having sex? Yeah. Oh, I forgot that part. Mm-hmm. Basically, when he murders Beck, he frames John Stamos, the therapist, um, for her murder. But there are a lot of plot holes within that, I think, because I, I wrote down a lot of these, so <laughs> bear, bear with me. A, John Stamos canonically had recordings of all the therapy sessions, because that's how Joe found out that they were 
sleeping together was oh, by listening right. to the recordings. Tape recordings. Yes. Yeah. So wouldn't they? Wouldn't that have been like police evidence of like Beck talking about the problem she was having with Joe? Did he get rid of the tapes, Joe? Well, that is fishy in and of itself. True. You know? If he so, had, ta- yeah. he would have had to get rid of the therapist tapes for everyone. Yes. Because otherwise, if only Beck's tapes were missing, that would be really fishy. Yeah, exactly. And then he was the boyfriend of this person who was allegedly murdered murdered by her therapist. So he would have been definitely part of the trial. Mm-hmm. He would have been probably a witness, if not a person of interest. Yeah. The biggest thing about that whole situation is that John Stamos probably would have had an alibi for that night. He would have been with his wife or something, like at home. Right, because he literally didn't do it. Yeah. He would have had an alibi. Unless he was, like, sleeping with another patient or something. But even then, like, just say that. Yeah. yeah. Get out of a murder charge yeah. by admitting adultery. <laughs> right. They would have been able to scan Penn Badgley's license plates and place him at the scene of the crime. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's true. Those are all really good points. One of one main plot all that I had was just Joe could not have gotten away with murder as much as he did. Yeah. Like, it's so... <laughs> illogical how many times he kills someone (laughs) does a mediocre job cleaning up and then has no involvement whatsoever in the court case or the trial or the hearing and he has a connection to all of them yeah yeah there's like five murders in a small like in one area who all know the same person and he has motive right (laughs) and it's always the boyfriend Mm mm-hmm Cops know that. Yeah. Especially if she was seeing a therapist. And, like, you know when he he stones Beck's friend Peach in Central Park with yes. a brick? Yes. Central Park is... Okay, I don't live in New York, but is, <laughs> is Central Park ever empty? <laughs> also, it was, like, morning. Yeah, it was it? daylight. It was broad daylight <laughs> on this very big trail in Central Park. And then he just tossed the brick aside, too. <laughs> oh, my God. And she doesn't die from that. No, she would have died. Yeah. Another plot hole that comes up many times is that people get kind of mortally injured, but then remarkably are basically fine yeah. after that. Because that's also what happens to Joe when Beck is trying to escape. So she put she locks him in the glass cage and before that she's hit him really hard, I uh-huh, think, with uh-huh. a metal hammer. Like a big metal hammer. And then he just and then like he's fine. Frankenstein's up <laughs> yeah. behind her. Yeah. And then the same thing happens. Joe has tried to kill Beck's good friend, whose name is Peach. Yeah, who's suspicious of him. And he yeah, he hits her really hard with a brick. In the head. Yeah, well, and then she's while fine. running. She doesn't even have any brain damage. No. And then how does he kill her for real? He shoots her with a gun that was in her house. You remember? Because they went to her estate or something. Oh, that's right. Another thing is... His pee in the jar. His pee in the jar. He le- he leaves his pee. <laughs> I don't remember why he pees in a jar. Why doesn't he pee down the sink? Oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> Anyway, he leaves his pee in a jar at the house, and that, that Where definitely... Where he murders Peach. That would have been collected as evidence. Yeah. Do we feel like Peach was queerbaiting a little bit? With Beck? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because she had a thing... She had, like a, like, a very close relationship with Beck, and didn't like Joe for a number of reasons, and... Oh, that's right. Yeah, in the beginning, it seems like Peach doesn't have any reason to dislike Joe. Yeah. And, but she just hates him. And it, yeah, and she gets jealous, in fact, uh-huh. of how much time Beck is spending with Joe. Yeah, right? and they have a whole fight about it. And right, she, right. it's presumed that she's gay. 
but that she ha- comes from a family that like doesn't accept it. Isn't she gay? Yeah, she she is gay, but she's not in love with Beck. I don't think she ever comes out, but I think it's discussed that she's gay. That kind of this is kind of jumping ahead a bit, but I don't know if I was the only one, but I really felt in the second season that Forty and Joe was queer bait. Yes. I really thought yeah. that Forty was going to be gay and was going to be in love with Joe. And I thought that was going to be the love story, which I thought would have been more interesting personally. I think I definitely, I feel like that would be more interesting. I think yeah. that Joe has bi energy anyways. Right. He definitely does. Yeah, he would. Yeah, I, that would have. Mm-hmm. And then love would have had a reason to kill her brother, actually. Yeah. Right? If she, love was in love with Joe. Uh-huh. That would have just been them. a more interesting <laughs> premise. I don't know. What's your... Jumping back to the... F- I have a few okay. more for the first Oh, okay, season, okay. But we'll get to the second okay. Um There's just so many plot holes I in know. this show. <laughs> um, Joe also goes to see Beck's therapist under a fake name. Oh, my God. Because he yeah. wants to spy on her. Does he not wear a disguise then, either? No. He not doesn't. even the hat? I don't think he wears the hat. Okay. Because John Stamos doesn't know him, so there's no point. That's true. Unless he was paying out of pocket for every <laughs> therapy session, you can't fake your he name. He works at a bookstore, so yeah. he does not have that kind of money. You can't fake your name at a, at a therapist. You need you have to give your insurance information. You ha- there's a whole thing. You, can, That's you really true. can't give a fake name. He must have been paying out of pocket. I guess so. <laughs> God, he had some savings, I guess. Yeah. Maybe he was selling the rare books. Speaking of the rare books... Why didn't the coworker Ethan have a key to the basement? Why didn't he ever go in the basement? Oh my god. So sus. Yeah. This bookstore has a huge basement that only Joe has the key to. You'd think that even like that's where they would store other stuff. Other books. Yeah. Like, you know, if someone was like, Oh, do you have this in stock? Someone would be like, Oh, let me check in the basement. Uh-huh. But the other clerks couldn't go down there. Because they didn't have a key. So suspicious. <laughs> Like, oh obviously someone is being held captive under there. Yeah, because <laughs> Joe went down there all the time. Yeah. He was always like, you can't... What did they think was down there? <laughs> okay, I read, I was listening to a lot of true crime, as I mentioned earlier. <laughs> um, hold on, what was her name? The girl who... J.C. Dugard. You I don't know about J.C. Dugard? I don't. Okay, well, she was kidnapped and held for 18 years <gasps> in a, um, a shack behind this guy's house Ugh. and she had like three kids with him and how old was she when she was taken she like was young. like 11 oh God, i think she had so her horrifying. she had her first kids when she was like 13 or like 14 oh. it was pretty horrible okay after a little while he would let them out like in the yard and like mm-hmm. let them like be in the yard the kids in her yeah after many many years yeah and neighbors would, like, see them, didn't really say anything. And also, this guy was on parole for rape of another woman. So he was, he was like, in, he had previously been to prison. He, he was, was a registered sex offender. Yes. Actually, I don't know if they had a registry at that time. Oh, was, what year was this? I'm not sure. I don't remember. Oh, okay. He would have these regular, like, home checks, like, police would come and check in his home and they never found them. They never found these people oh who were living my in God because they were living in a shed in his backyard. Yeah. And they, Why didn't they check the shed? I, and this is a true story. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, so I do I see how people would not immediately be like suspicious. Although yeah. honestly, who knows? Maybe he like paid off the cops or something like in the JC Dugard case. Mm. Cuz like 
he was incredibly, incredibly suspicious. Mm. Neighbors would see their kids all the time. Would the neighbors tell the cops? Um, I don't think they did. Wow, that's so interesting. I think one I mean, time they did. It's kind of willful ignorance. I feel like yeah. as a neighbor, you don't want to believe that your next-door neighbor is a sex offender and also is, has kidnapped this kid yeah, and had many children with her. Yeah. You don't want to believe that. So I feel like if you see clues tending in that direction, you might just look the other way. How did she escape? Um, I think that he took her out for some reason and then it, people noticed that it, it was suspicious. Like That's every kidnapper's first mistake. Yeah. It's taking them out. Uh-huh. I think he also took the kids out mm-hmm. and they were like weird and malnourished and like didn't mm-hmm. have any social anything. Right. They were kind of like feral. That's how they were discovered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's a tangent a little bit. Yeah. In terms of keeping someone in a place, I think it's not your first thought that that person is. That's true. That's true. It's not your first thought. I still feel like since he went into the basement all the time. You would think that there was something down there. There was something. Maybe not yeah. a human. Right. You might think maybe he has something illegal, like, yeah, like drugs. drugs. Right. Yeah. That would probably be my first thought. Is like, oh, maybe he has a secret drug ring or something. Meth lab. Or- yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, we can go to season two if you're okay. ready. My very first one from season two is just, how did Joe transport the yeah. glass cage? That's the biggest one. <laughs> yeah. Because he has the, for those of you who don't know, season two, he moves to L.A., Fresh start for Joe after he murders his girlfriend. <laughs> and he brings he somehow has the the glass cage in LA as well. I was reading about this and some people were saying that the show says he builds it again. again or he builds it for the first time because he didn't build it the first but time. But it's identical. I know, so that doesn't feel right to me. It should have been like a really like shitty mish- version. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like duct tape. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. So he moves to LA. Yes, and he has this glass thing that's the same as the one in New York in a storage unit in LA, which is pretty classic, I think, for yeah. murder stuff. Yeah. Story it's where unit. you had the car, it's where you had the yeah. glass cage. <laughs> And also, that storage unit is huge. It's gigantic. It's like, like my whole like house, this whole house could almost fit in that storage unit. Yeah, because, so because when you open the door, like normally a storage unit is like a garage and you open the door and you see everything, right? It's just a garage. But this one, you open the door and it was like a storage unit, but then you like turned a corner yeah. and then there was the glass cage, like around a bend in the storage. How much was he paying? <laughs> For a storage unit that big in Los Angeles. Well, clearly he has some sort of wealth. Oh, you know what? He fixes old books. That's not that lucrative. (laughs) Who's reading books in 2020? (laughs) Oh, what's the plot point in you about the book in Peach's house? Isn't there like a book that he takes? He goes to a party at Peach's house before he kills her. And there's a book that she has. I don't remember what book oh, it is. Oh, yeah. And then he takes it, which is then a clue connecting yeah. him to her. Why the fuck did he take it? <laughs> do you remember what book it was, though? I don't remember what book, but You I, know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I do. Okay. Why? And she, like, obviously notices that he took it because they had yeah. had a discussion <laughs> And they had a conversation. <laughs> she has, like, tons of books, and this specific book that they talked about is missing. <laughs> He's like, I didn't take it. <laughs> he works at a bookstore. You can just buy it. True. I don't know, maybe it was a power thing. Yeah. And another thing in season two is, spoiler, love, there's a ton of spoilers in this season, so just disclaimer for the rest of the 
podcast. Yeah, yeah. Love, Joe's new love interest. Her name is Love. Her name is it's Love. It's confusing. Because <laughs> she's from LA. Whatever, yeah. has a weird name. So her, she has a, they're not twins. Yeah, they're twins. They are twins. Yeah. I thought she was older. No, they're, they're twins. twins. So she has a twin brother. His name is Forty and her name is Love. Like tennis. So anyways, there's a flashback scene where you see that Love and Forty had an au pair uh-huh. who was molesting Forty. Yes. And, the brother. Yeah, the brother. So basically Love kills the au pair in broad daylight outdoors. Yes. And nobody sees that either. I know. I think that's supposed to be explained away with the fact that their family is super wealthy and hires, or they have connections they in the police department, right. right? Yeah. Another instance of someone getting away with murder. Honestly, rich people do get away with murder. That's so, true. So maybe that's not that big of a problem. <laughs> Towards the end of the season, Joe has this really intense LSD trip where he like doesn't remember what he's done, and he comes out of it and he realizes that he's killed he might have. He might have killed his yeah. next-door neighbor. Yeah. And Who he was keeping in the glass cage in the storage unit. Oh, right. He was keeping her there because she, like, witnessed something creepy. Yeah. And but, he, but he liked her. He did, yeah. like, genuinely like her. And, and they, they had slept together, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he didn't intend to kill her, but he wakes up from this LSD trip and she's dead. And he's like, oh, shit. Because he's the only one that he thinks knows about his cage in the storage unit. And so there's this whole episode about him trying to figure out, like, if he actually did it because he can't remember. But, I mean, I have never done LSD, but I don't think that memory loss is part of it. Yeah, when I was looking this up, that's <laughs> I have also never done LSD. <laughs> but people do say that memory loss is not a part of it. If it's anything like mushrooms, then it's definitely he would not have that sort of disorientation. Yeah, no, like, that's true. That would be much more... Common, like if you if you got like blackout drunk. drunk, right? Yeah, alcohol would have been a better yeah thing for that. Although maybe that would have been like too basic for an LA based serial killer. Mm, dude. I don't it know. wouldn't have made for an interesting episode because almost an entire episode of the second season is his trip. Yeah, with forty. Yeah, I don't know. I think they wanted to do something flashy. Maybe instead of having him forget, they could have had him like remember but in a really weird way like hallucinated like hallucinated it yeah so he's not sure if it's real or not Uh uh-huh you know they could have done something like that instead of just having him black out my this isn't a plot hole but this was just super gross when joe's finger gets cut off oh (laughs) yeah that's that's ella's main memory from it is it was so unexpected (laughs) oh my god joe is like who is that man um i think it's just a guy that he like it's does like some sort of shady connection yeah. guy. And yeah. he's one of those like archetypes of like the really friendly guy yeah. who then like does something violent to you oh, while smiling. So Joe is like talking to this man who's this mob person and he's being really friendly. And then he just cuts his finger off and it was horrifying to me. But also I feel like a little bit it's unrealistic that he could have it reattached. Oh yeah. And no. retain nerve feeling and stuff after so many hours. Yeah, his finger was gone. Yeah, the guy, the mob guy, like, keeps his finger in a bag with, like, ice. And he tells Joe, he's blackmailing Joe, so he tells Joe he has to do, he has to give him a certain amount of money before a certain time. And then at that time, he'll give the finger back and have the best plastic surgeon reconnect it. Which also, like, I guess he needs to have the best plastic surgeon do it, because otherwise Joe wouldn't be motivated enough to give him the money. Right. Is that true? 
don't know. It's kind of weird if he cuts off his finger and he's like, I'll have the best for you. Like, <laughs> I'll give you the best of the best. Yeah, maybe he needed a guarantee that the finger could be reattached. Yeah. <laughs> so this is kind of related. This is just a continuation of how Joe gets away with murder. So in the second season, he murders this man named Henderson, who's like a music producer guy, music mogul or something. And he's a pedophile. Yes. And art imitates life, I guess, or life imitates art, because that guy got arrested, I think, for... Oh my god, really? That actor? Uh-huh, for... Oh, I didn't know that. Sitting with underage girls. <gasps> oh my god, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, crazy. But anyway, Joe kills him um, in this really messy way, and there's blood everywhere, and there's Joe's blood, and then the man is rich and has a Roomba, and the Roomba comes and, like sucks up both his blood and Joe's blood, and it's all, like, mixed together. But then also Joe isn't implicated in this death. The police just assume it's a suicide because he, like, Joe leaves a note or something, which is the most obvious way to fake a suicide. I don't know. I thought that was kind of ridiculous. And then my very last one, so Candace. Candace is Joe's initial, initial girlfriend who their relationship takes place before the first season of the show, and he... But murder he believes that he's murdered her, but really she's survived, but he doesn't know that. And she's been kind of tracking him down and and I just thought, for one thing, they show these scenes of Candace telling the police what had happened, that Joe had tried to kill her. And maybe this is totally realistic, I don't know, but the police just completely ignore her testimony that someone has just tried to murder her. Isn't that a little unrealistic? I mean, I don't know. I feel like it was meant to be metaphorical about how, like, people don't believe women. Right, right. So maybe it was, like, taken to an extreme. Yeah. And then also, though, why would she be brave enough to, like, intentionally track down her former murderer? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He yeah. thinks that she's dead, so she right. has the perfect excuse to just go away mm-hmm. and, like, start a new life. Maybe she just wants to prevent other people from being murdered. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I would probably <laughs> just go into hiding, <laughs> I feel like. That would kind of suck, though. That would be kind of hiding. Yeah, because of someone else, you know. True. Because of what someone else has, like, done to you. It feels True. unfair. It is unfair, yeah. but it's kind of like either that or getting murdered, which then she does. But not by Not him. by him. That's true. By love. Okay, well, that's everything that's on my list. Yeah. Well, that is it. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.